today, Lord, we're going to look at a text where it's really all about you. And that, that's really, you know, when we study the Bible, I think, one of, Lord, our, maybe our main purpose should be to, to, to grow in the grace and knowledge of Jesus Christ, Lord, to learn more about you. Because when we learn about you, Lord, and we, we draw close to you by knowing you, all the other things that we worry about in this word kind of take care of themselves. Lord, we know that in a close relationship to you, uh, we have all things in Jesus Christ. And so, Lord, we want to know more about you. And this text will tell us more about who you are today as we, as we look at these profound, profound words that, that uh, John gives us here in this little book of 1 John. So I just ask that you bless this text, this study of this text today, and I ask that you bless it. By the power of your Holy Spirit, I ask it in Christ's name, amen. If you remember in our introduction last week, I mentioned the fact that most scholars are in agreement that John wrote 1 John, 2 John, and 3 John, and the Gospel of John, and the book of Revelation. But John only names himself in the book of Revelation. So it's kind of surprising that they're so sure that John wrote 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John in the Gospel of John because he doesn't name himself in, in any of those four books. But the reason there's such a consensus on the authorship of John for these books is that the Greek is so similar. And the reason that you can recognize that the Greek is so similar is because the Greek is so simple. I mean, it is simple Greek. If you ever take a Greek class, if you ever get a desire to study Greek, first of all, I'll ask you to go see a psychologist, but, but, uh, but if you are bound and determined to study Greek, you will love the Gospel of John. You will love 1st and 2nd and 3rd John. In fact, if you haven't studied much Greek at all and you start looking at uh, those books of John, man, you, you'll think all of a sudden that you're a Greek scholar. I mean, because the Greek is so easy to read and it's so easy to translate. But let me warn you, it's only, only his books are easy to read and easy to translate. You get Philippians, let's say, uh, written by the Apostle Paul, and that Greek is much, much more difficult to read and to translate. But his Greek is very easy. It's very simple. And that's why they know that John wrote these particular books. But, uh, uh, you know, where was I heading with this? I mean, the fact that John writes so simply does not mean that what he writes is not profound. In fact, John says some of the most, most profound things that are written in the Bible. I mean, we looked at one of those profound sentences last week. He simply said, uh, Logos Theos, God is the word. He said, Logos Zoos, God is light. And today, he's going to give us another one of those profound statements, very simple Greek, Theos Photos. Theos, what's Theos? All you Greek scholars, what's Theos mean? God, good. Photos, you ought to know what that is. Photos on your phone. God is light. God is light. Photos is light. God is light. And, and that seems like that's real simple Greek. It's a real simple English statement. 
but there's never been a more profound statement made than the fact that God is light. And I tell you what, we're going to study that statement today, and we could study that statement for the next 10 years, and we probably couldn't figure out exactly or everything John was saying when he said that God is light. But just because I don't understand how light bulbs work doesn't mean that I sit in the dark. I mean, and just because I don't fully understand what it means when John says God is light doesn't mean that I don't come to the light, that I don't want to understand the light, that I don't want to live in the light. And that's what he's going to teach us here in 1 John chapter number 1. Uh, let's, let's look down at uh, 1 John chapter 1, and let's begin down in verse number 5. And listen to what he says. He says, this is the message. Did you catch that? The message. Now, all the messages I want to give you, John says, this is the message which we have heard from him. Who's the him here? Jesus Christ. This is the message which we have heard from him. Now, and, and he says, and we declare to you. There's that word declare again. We saw that last week. That's the word we translate in the English angel. So John's saying, we're like angels declaring to you the message of Jesus Christ. And this is the message. John's saying, if I could sum up everything that Jesus Christ means to me, everything that Jesus Christ has said to me and said to the apostles, this is the message that God is light. Theos Logos. God is light and in him is no darkness at all. You know what John's doing right there? He's summing up everything about Jesus Christ in one of God's great attributes. And what's one of his great attributes? Is that God is light. God is light. And when Jesus gave the disciples this message, he certainly was speaking of the Trinity, but as much as anything else, he was speaking of himself. Because you remember in John chapter 8 what Jesus said to his disciples and to the Jews. He says, I am the light of the world. God is light. Now what does he mean when he says God is, is light? Is he talking about the sunlight? Is he talking about the artificial light of those light bulbs right there? Is that the kind of light that he's talking about? I mean, we go out today, there's a beautiful day. We're going to have a picnic outside. And, and uh, it's a beautiful day for a picnic because there's all sorts of light. That's an unusual thing in Lafayette, by the way. We get, we, we're just coming out of a period of about 80 days of darkness. But finally, we have some light. Is that the kind of light? Is sunlight what, what John is talking about? Is the artificial light of a light bulb what John is talking about? No, those are created lights. There was no such thing as a light bulb until 1879. A light bulb throws off these uh, thermal emissions that produce photons that the eye can see, but it is artificial light. The sunlight throws off nuclear, it has nuclear fusion reactions that throw off photons that the eye can see, and that is sunlight. But they are all created lights. I mean, the light bulb, as I said, wasn't created until 1879, and the sun was created about 6,000 years ago. Or if you're a, uh, 
you know, you're into secular science, maybe millions or billions of years ago. But where, whatever you believe, you believe that at one point the sun did not exist. There is nobody in, on this earth in his right mind who says the sun has existed forever. So the sun and the light that we have in our homes, all of that is artificial light. But think about this. Ponder this for a minute. There was no time, there has never been a time throughout eternity when God was not light. God is light. He's always been, a, been light. The light of God has existed forever. It is his eternal glory. You remember when Moses asked the Lord, tell me your name. You remember what the Lord said? The Lord said, I am who I am. In other words, I am who I am. I am who I've always been. I'm the same to yesterday, today, and tomorrow. And one of the attributes of God is that God is light. He's always been light. The psalmist says in Psalm 104 that that. God is the one who stretched out the heavens like a curtain and he covers himself with light like a garment. What do theologians call his everlasting light? There's a word for it. You know it. You've been around long enough. It's the Shekinah, the Shekinah glory of God. It's that same Shekinah that the Israelites first saw in the Exodus when, they were, when the pillar of light uh, was with them both day and night. It was the light of God. It wasn't some artificial light. It wasn't the light of the sun. They had seen the light of the sun, but they had never seen the glory of God, the light of God, that everlasting light of God. It appeared when Solomon, if you remember when Solomon dedicated the temple and the glory of God came down and the Shekinah glory of God came down upon that temple and all the people fell on their face. And they shouted, the Lord, he is good. The Lord's mercy endureth forever. Why did they shout those words? Because in the presence of God's light, you know what they felt? They felt his mercy and they felt his goodness. He is goodness. He is mercy. He is light. You remember when Isaiah saw the Lord high and lifted up and his train filled the whole earth. His glory, his light filled the whole earth. Do you realize right now, if God would open up your physical eyes where you could see him, you could see the light of God. You could see the glory of God. You, especially those of you who are born again, you could see that glory of God in you, that pure light of God emanating from you because God is in you. You remember Daniel when he saw the, the Lord. I mean, the only way he could describe the Lord, he said his face were like, not like lightning, but lightnings plural. I mean, his face was flashing with his light, unlike none Daniel had ever seen. And what did Daniel do when he saw that light? Same thing John did when he was on the Isle of Patmos and he saw that light. He fell on his face as dead. And you remember on the Mount of Transfiguration when James and, and, uh, James and John and went up on the Mount of Transfiguration with the Lord and, and, and they saw, and Peter, and they saw the, the light of God on Jesus Christ. And in a picture of our 
one, our eternal glory that we're going to have one day, that same light was on Moses and Elijah. It was the light of God. And you know the story about Paul when, in Acts chapter 8, when Paul all of a sudden, I mean, here he was. He was living in darkness. I mean, utter darkness. He thought he was living in the light of God. But he was living in utter, utter darkness. He was persecuting the church. And all of a sudden, the heavens opened up and the light of God shone down on him. And he saw the glory of God and he was blinded by that light. I mean, God is light. And God one day didn't take on light. He's always been light. There has never been a time and there will never be a time when God is not light. Well, what is God's light? You got a pen and pad? I'll tell you. I don't know. You might want to write that down because I don't say that very often. My wife, that's the first time my wife's ever heard that. God is light. His essence is light. His light is God and God is light. Well, I don't know what that essence is because it's God. That's all I can say. But how can we describe God's light? Well, it's brighter and more brilliant than any created light. I've already discussed that. It, more than any star. There are stars that are a thousand times bigger than the sun. His light is brighter than that light. It's, more, it's brighter than our sun. It's brighter than any star. It's so bright that if you were to stand in the presence of God, you couldn't live, you couldn't survive unless God somehow shielded you from his light. That's why you need a, you need a new body because you're going to live in the light of God. You're going to live in the very presence of God. Now we receive the emanations of the light of God even now, but to live in God's presence, God is a consuming fire. There's no way that we can do that. His light is so powerful and so brilliant that we're told in Revelation chapter 22 that after there's a new heaven and a new earth, after we go into eternity, listen to what it says, there will be no night there. No night. There will never be night there again. Never. You're going to have to, some of you like to sleep, this is going to be a problem. You might have to get some, my wife wears those little masks because so I like a night light and she doesn't. But, but uh, there's not going to be any light, night there. There will be no need for lamps. There will be no need for the sun. For the presence of the Lord will be our light. God is light. You know the second way that you could describe God's light? is that it is absolutely pure. Absolutely pure. Look at the second part of that verse. In him, there is what? No darkness at all. What's no mean in the Greek? No. There is no darkness at all. Zero darkness. There has never been a time, nor will, nor will there ever be a time, when God has been in the dark. With one exception. One exception. That day on Golgotha, 
when the third person of the Trinity, God in the flesh, Jesus Christ, hung there for my sins and for your sins and for the sins of the world. He was encompassed by utter darkness. Utter darkness. So dark that God gave us a picture of that darkness as he covered the sun and the whole earth became dark. But other than that, God has always been in the light because he is light. And his light is pure because in him there is no darkness at all. When I got saved, I've shared this with you before, I got a small glimpse of the glory of God out in the desert in New Mexico. And if I could describe what I saw out there, I would describe it in two words. Well, really one word, God is light. I saw light. But if I was to describe that light, I would describe it two ways. One, love. Love. That light is full of love. God's light is full of love. Not hate. There's no hate in God. Love. Now, there's some things God hates. But God is love. God is love. And the other thing that I could say about that light is that that light is pure. I'm a witness to the fact, and more than likely you're a witness to the fact, that that light is absolutely pure. At the time of my salvation, I was living in utter darkness. I was anything but pure. But out there in the desert, I received Jesus Christ, and I saw that light. And you know what I felt when I saw that light? I felt pure. I had never felt pure in my entire life. But when God came upon me, I felt pure, and I felt loved. God is light. God is love. And friends, my experience is no different from yours if you've received Jesus Christ. Because as the Bible says, uh, the people who sat in darkness have seen a great light, all of us. And upon those who sat in the region of the shadow of death, that's where all of us sat before we were saved, a great light has dawned. Now you might not have seen it with your physical eyes, but if you've been born again, you've seen the light with your heart. And if you don't know that purity of that light, you don't know the Lord. Because God is light and that light is pure. In him is no darkness at all. If you're in the presence of God, you know that he's pure. You know that he's love. When you encounter God, you encounter light. You encounter light. And when you encounter the light of God, you can't help but be pure. Because we all know that light and darkness cannot exist together. Get this down. Light and darkness cannot exist together. The minute you put a light in a dark room, what happens? You got light and no more darkness. On a spiritual plane, you could put it like this, that light hates darkness and darkness hates light. For example, 
Those disgusting creatures of the dark. Snakes. Some of you might like snakes. I don't really like snakes. Snakes and rats. Some of you might like rats. I don't really, my, I had a dog that used to eat rats. I don't like rats. And probably the most disgusting creature on this earth. Dark, dark creature. Scary dark. If you could magnify that thing up to the size of a dog, you would be terrified. A roach. I hate roaches. Nothing grosses me out more than to go into the kitchen to get a snack and cut on the light and there scurries a roach. And you don't see the roach long because what the roach, what's the roach, does the roach like the light? The roach hates light and the roach scurries off in the darkness. He hates light. And most men are like that. Most men and women hate the light. They run from the light, especially the pure light of God. They don't want anything to do with the pure light of God. Why? Because the pure light exposes just how gross they are, how gross we are. Jesus put it like this. Flip back, hold your place there and flip back to the Gospel of John. And look in chapter number three. Chapter number three, verse 19. Same author here. The same theme, really. You can, it's about light. Look at verse number 19. He says, and this is the condemnation of mankind, that the light has come into the world. Who's the light who's come into the world? Jesus Christ. And man loved darkness rather than light because their deeds are evil. You know why people hate Jesus Christ in this world? You know why people don't want you to speak the name of Jesus Christ in this world? You know why they don't want anything to do with Jesus Christ in the school, in the public place, in the, in the movies? You know why they want to curse his name? Because they love darkness and they hate light. Verse 20, for everyone practicing evil hates the light. And does not come to the light. Why? Lest his deeds be exposed. You know, before I got saved, and I'm sure your testimony is very similar. Before I got saved, I walked in darkness with people of the dark. Of, of the dark. And I didn't want anything to do with Christians because they were the people of the light. I didn't want anything to do with a church or with a Bible because... When I, today, there's certain churches you can go to and, and certain Bibles that aren't this Bible that you can read that, that uh, you know, will ratify your behavior, but not this word. And not a church that teaches this word. Because a church that teaches this word exposes the light. And I hated places like I didn't want anything to do with Christians. I didn't want anything to do with churches. I didn't want anything to do with the Bible. I mean, I hated to go visit my parents because my parents were people of the light. They were always, even if they didn't say anything to me, I was feeling condemned by them. I was feeling judged by them. I don't think they were judging me at all. Maybe they were. But I don't think they were. But I felt that way because they were people of the light. You know, that's why you have friends that kind of, once you get saved, kind of, man, they don't want to hang out with you anymore. I mean, 
I have, I have relatives that I think when they see me, they, I don't, I don't, I'm really not that concerned about them one way or the other, to be honest with you, but I think they think I'm judging them. I mean, I'm concerned that they get saved, but I'm not judging their behavior. I can't judge their behavior. I live much worse than they've ever thought about living before I got saved. But we hate the light before we get saved. But if you come to the pure light of God, you know what happens to you? You are made pure by that light. But you can only come to the pure light of God through his pure son, Jesus Christ, who makes you pure by the cross. Now, let me give you a warning here. There are a lot of artificial lights out there in religion. There are a lot of ways to, to look at this word differently from the way this word was intended. You can take this word out of context and get it to say all sorts of things, but that's darkness. That is not light. There are all sorts of artificial lights. The Bible says that even Satan himself disguises himself as an angel of light. And I hear of these people, or these, I've read these books, that these, and I used to love these books when I was unsaved, but I'd read these books about people who were un, people of all walks of life who died, had these near-death experiences, and then they saw this great life. I mean, Muslims and Buddhists and atheists, and everyone seemed to see this great light. Well, let me tell you what, if that light is not the pure light of God, it is an artificial light, and Satan disguises himself as a light. And he allows book, loves to see books like this written because it leads people straight to hell. Because there is only one light that is pure, there is only one light that can change you, and that is God's light, and you can only have that light through Jesus Christ, who is the light of the world. Without the light of the world, you're living in darkness. And I don't care what light you see, what miracle you have, if it doesn't change your life, then it's not the pure light of God. Because look at verse, go back to 1 John, and look at verse number 6. Listen to what he says in verse 6. If we say that we have fellowship with Jesus Christ, with God, who is light, while we're walking in darkness... I mean, use your common sense. Then we're lying. We're lying to ourselves. We're deceiving ourselves. There's no way you can walk in darkness and be in the light at the same time because light overcomes darkness. And so if we say we're in the light and we're walking in darkness, then we're lying. We can't be children of light. Wherever light is, it overcomes the darkness. As I said earlier, you could take this room and make it as dark as you wanted, and I could light one candle, and it would overcome the darkness to some degree. And the light of God overcomes our evil ways. And so a person who calls himself or herself a Christian and they're walking in darkness is lying to themselves. If you're here today and you're here at church today, and you're walking in darkness, you're living a dark life with dark people in dark places, don't kid yourself, you're not saved. And if you die while you're walking in darkness, you know where you're going to end up? You're going to end up in the utter darkness of hell, where even the fires of hell don't produce light. There is no light in hell. And you want a taste of hell, go into your... If you've got a furnace, go sit on it and cut out all the lights. 
And that's where you're going to be forever. Forever. Man, I don't want to end up there. Do you? Well, he tells us how to stay away from there. You don't have to end up there. Look at verse number seven. But. But. Yay, but, right? They're bad buts in the Bible. And they're good buts in the Bible. And all the good buts are really good buts. <laughs> this is a really, really good but here. But we walk, if we walk in the light as he is in the light. All friends, let me tell you right now, if you're a born again believer, I wish God would just open your eyes like he did mine out in that desert and you could see that light that you're walking in. If you're walking with God, God is light. You're walking in light. If you could see that light and sense that purity and sense that love, you, nothing in this world would ever bother you again. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. Why do I fellowship with you? Why are we putting a milkshake machine out in the lobby? No, I don't fellowship. Milkshakes are great. But the reason I fellowship with you is because you walk in the light with me. If we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the, look at this. Is this not good? And the blood of Christ, if I do this, if I do that, or don't do this, or don't do that, the blood of Christ cleanses me from all unrighteousness. Is that what that says? No, it says if I walk in the light, the blood of God, the blood of Jesus Christ, his son cleanses us from all, what's all in the Greek? All sin. All sin. Well, pastor, tell me how to walk in the light. I want to walk in the light. Well, let me tell you what the legalists will tell you and the perfectionist gospel people will tell you. Here's how you walk in the light. You live just like Jesus lived. That's, how you, that's the only way, because Jesus is light. And if you don't walk exactly as Jesus walked, then you're in deep trouble. And they'll tell you that, hey, if you commit sin, if you're living in sin, if, if you don't quit sinning, then uh, you're not saved. Now, they make the sins, the biggie sins, don't drink, don't fool around, don't smoke, don't wear makeup or some of those kind of things. Adultery, murderer, don't do those things, and you're all right. But they ignore those little sins like gossip, evil thoughts. You know you have an evil thought that's a sin against God? How many of you have had an evil thought today? You're lying, so you've already you made yourself a liar. <laughs> I've had an evil thought today. If you, want to, if you hate your brother, got mad at your brother on the way up here to church, or when you were getting dressed, you got mad at your husband, you can't, that is the great sin there. <laughs> great sin. <laughs> Greed. Any of you greedy? Any of you more, want more things than you need? How many of you have more things than you need? And you wanted more things at some time than you needed? See, we're always sinning. Now, we don't want to sin. 
But we sin. That's, that's just, that's, we, we, the flesh warth against the spirit and the spirit against flesh. And I'm not advocating sinning. But we do sin. We do sin. And we can't live perfectly holy lives. If that's the standard, then none of us are walking in the light. These people say that if you walk in the light, you can never sin because God is light, God is in you, and so you can never sin. And people sell books and, and uh, little trinkets on things like this. I mean, there's a book called In His Steps. I don't know if you've ever read that book. And in that book, they're trying to figure out in everything they do what Jesus would do, and they're going to do just what Jesus did in that situation. What would Jesus do? Bracelets. Some of you might be wearing one today. And good luck doing what Jesus would do in every situation. Good luck trying, because if you're trying, you've missed out on grace. You know, what they're saying is that we're to walk according to the light. Is that what John says here? Does he say, if you walk according to the light, you have fellowship with one another and the blood of Christ cleanses you from all unrighteousness? Is that what he says? Let me tell you what, there is a big difference between walking according to the light and walking in the light. If I walk according to the light, then I have to live exactly as Jesus lived. That's a great noble thing to do, but you're not going to be able to do it. But if I walk in the light, that simply means that I'm walking continually with God. Because God is light. I'm walking in the presence of God. And let me tell you what, when I'm walking in the presence of God, I don't have to sit and try to figure out what Jesus would do. Jesus is with me. He tells me what to do. I know what to do in every situation because I'm walking in the light. I don't always do it, but most of the time I do because I'm walking in the light. And I, I know exactly what he would do, and I try to do it. And if I'm walking in the supernatural light of God, that light that is encompassing you that you're walking in is the power of God too. And so you have the power to walk as Jesus would walk. You know what to do, and you have the power to do it. And it does require a choice. We should never choose to sin. But again, there's a battle that takes place. You know what? This word is light. That's what this word is. It's, it's the light of God. It's the supernatural light of God. And it guides me. The psalmist says, thy, thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. And that makes sense because God inhabits his word and God is light. And so if he's the logos, theos logos, God is the word. In the beginning was the word. The word of life, Theos Zoos, he's the word of Zoe, the word of life. And he's light, then it makes sense that if I'm in his word, I'm walking in light. I'm in the light. And when I'm walking in that light, when I live my life in the presence every day, not here on Sunday every once in a while, but in the every day, every moment presence of God. I have fellowship with the Lord and I have fellowship with you. 
who are walking in the light too. Kononia. That's kononia. That, that means simply to have in common. What do we have in common? If we're born again believers, what do we fellowship in? In the light of God. We all are walking in the light as he is in the light. And the glorious light of God permeates our minds and our souls. Friends, if you're here today, you know if you're walking in the light and you know if you're walking in the darkness. Now let me say this. We live in a very, 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 very dark world. And it's so hard to find the light. But you have the light. You're in the light. His whole glory fills the earth. The Lord has not abandoned his throne. I don't care who's the president of the United States. The Lord knows how to take care of his own. He knows how to take care of you. He will never abandon you if you walk in the light. But, the, the, but let me tell you what. The light changes where we go and who we hang out with. Because Paul, as Paul says in 2 Corinthians chapter 6, he says, what fellowship has light with darkness. What's the answer to that? None. We're not to fellowship. Now, he's not to say we're not to hang out with people who are dark and living in this dark world, or we couldn't hang out with anybody. We couldn't help get anybody saved. But we're not to fellowship with them in their darkness. If you've got more in common with people who are walking in darkness than you have with people who are walking in the light, let me tell you what, you're still in darkness yourself. If you love going to places that are dark, that you know are dark, the places that are evil, then you don't have the light of God in you because what fellowship has light with darkness? None. And the light of God overcomes darkness. And the light of God hates darkness. And so if you don't hate the darkness, you don't have the light. And I don't say that to condemn you. I say that to, to make... You're, to encourage you to make sure that, that you're living in the light. Because if you love darkness, if you love doing dark things, if you love going to dark places, if you love hanging out with dark people, you're still in the dark. I don't care what you call yourself. You're still living in the dark. Because I'm going to tell you what, the light doesn't just change who you hang out with and where you go. It changes your actions. Because if you're walking in the light of God, when you sin, you do it in the light. It's exposed. It's, you're totally exposed when you sin. And what do you feel like when you sin if you're a born-again believer? You feel like a roach. You feel, yuck, you feel like a rat, a snake. You ever felt like a snake? You know why you felt like a snake? You know, snakes, snakes don't feel bad about being snakes. Evil people don't feel bad about doing evil things. But if you're a born-again believer, you feel bad about being snaky. And what do you do? You scurry away from the light, but there's nowhere to go. So where do you scurry away to? You scurry away to God. Into the arms of God, and what does God say? He cleanses you from all unrighteousness. I don't want to bore you with the Greek tenses there, but I will anyway. That is the present active indicative tense. You can write that down. 
Let me tell you what that means in English. That means that he's always cleansing you of all your sin. He never stops cleansing you of all your sin. Oh, wow, Pastor, may we sin that grace may abound. May a net, though, may it never be. No, you're living in the light. You hate the darkness. You hate being a roach. You hate being a snake. And you scurry off to God and you confess your sin and you ask for forgiveness knowing you have that forgiveness because the blood of Christ cleanses you from all unrighteousness. All. You're always pure because you're living in the pure light of God. God would not live with you if you were not pure, if he didn't keep you clean. And man, he's got to work hard to keep some of us clean. Harder than he does others. He works exceptionally hard keeping me clean. But he's always cleansing me of my unrighteousness. I can always go to the Lord. I don't care what I've done. I can fellowship with the Lord. Because he cleanses me of all unrighteousness. And I am pure in the sight of God. God is light. And in him is no darkness at all. You know, it's really interesting to me that John in verse number five says, this is the message. If I could sum up everything I wanted to tell you, this is the message. God is light. And in him is no darkness. At all. In the Proverbs, what did he say? I write these things to you, what? That your joy might be full. You want full joy? Walk in the light as he is in the light. Have fellowship with one another, with the Lord and with one another. And the blood of Christ will cleanse you. It's always cleansing you of all unrighteousness. You have a right to joy. Because you've been perfected forever in Christ Jesus by his purity, by his light, because God is light. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we just thank you so much for the revelation that you give us in Scripture, this profound statement that you are light. Seems so simple in the English, but it's so profound, Lord, so deep, way past anything I've covered today. But Lord, the simplicity of that message is what some people need to hear this very day, that that you are light, and you can sum up everything that we're to do and just with one instruction, that we just walk in the light, in your light. Stay away from darkness. Dark people, dark places. And walk in your light. Father, if there's anyone here who is not born again, the the instructions are just as simple. Come to the light. Come to Jesus Christ. Jesus is the light of the world. And if your soul feels dark and dreary, if you're here today, then Come to Jesus, come to the light and you'll feel his purity and you'll feel his love and you will walk with him in the light forever as he is in the light. 
Oh, Lord, thank you for all the good news we have in this word. We thank you through Jesus Christ, our Savior. It's in his name we pray.